Welcome, everyone. My name is Nick Craig, and this is another Leading from Purpose podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Peters, who is an, has a degree in industrial engineering focusing on human factors, is also a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. At this moment in time, she is doing a tour of duty at West Point. West Point Military Academy is where the Army takes and creates many of its officers and has a long history on leadership. And so, Dr. Peters, I would love to just say hello to you and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Nick, for having me. It is amazing to be on your podcast and I can't wait for our talk. Exactly. So now, before we get into this, even though your name is Andrea, you like to be called Pete, which is very interesting. Pete is not usually a, a woman's name, but would you just share with everyone why Pete is what you would like to be called by? Absolutely. So I, I think there's a few different reasons as to why. Uh, first off, Andrea, so my first name can be said in three to four different ways and Anytime someone says it, um, it's usually not my name. <laughs> the, the second thing is my dad served for 23 years in the Army as a 11 Bravo, which is an infantryman, and he was Pete when he served. And so when I came in, I kind of adopted the, the nickname as well, and I'm Little Pete. So um, Little, I don't, Pete. I, I, Little Pete, but I take the little off, okay? So I'm just Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing you are, you are, you know, there's a big presence that you are, but you're also somebody who, yeah, you, how tall are you, by the way? <laughs> I'm not that tall. I'm five, four and a half. And thank you, Army, for you, causing me to lose half an inch. Really? Because, <laughs> you know, we've been mostly doing this by uh, virtually, but uh, during all the journey of the last couple of years. And my image of you is of someone who must be at least six foot five. Oh, you're too kind. You're too so, kind. So, anyway, okay. So, well, I want to welcome all of you to this because we are going to have such a powerful time today, uh, especially the journey that Pete's been on. And I want to just, first of all, give you a chance to share with them your purpose statement. Okay. So this purpose statement, Nick helped me kind of pull this out. So I'm very appreciative of that. But my purpose statement is to be the rocky-jawed, gap-spanning amp. Now. That does require a bit of explanation. <laughs> yes. So first off, it's a mouthful. But uh, the reason why this became my my purpose statement is because I think my life has symbolized almost the the life that we saw Rocky live on on screen, right? So in the ring, Rocky took lick after lick after lick, but he always got back up. He always kept pushing forward. Uh, the resilience that he showed in the ring is what I believe my resilience has been in real life. And so um, as I have taken those licks to my jaw, hence the reason why the, the rocky jaw, I've continued to move forward. But within that space of moving forward, I'm also uh, trying because obviously I can get better and better. I am trying to span the gap for people who don't have access to um, a lot of different things. Those folks who don't have a platform to speak or to have their voice be heard, uh, even though they are speaking, right? Because sometimes we do speak and um, it's not loud enough. 
or because uh, the value is not there for that person, uh, it cannot be heard in a manner that people can actually comprehend. And so I am spanning that gap for those folks that do not have a platform. And then the AMP. The AMP is a reminder that I am that person. So AMP, Andrea, Michelle Peters, um, those are my initials. But then also, <laughs> but then also, what is an AMP? An uh, AMP, it uh, increases the sound of uh, what's out there. It amplifies. And I believe that that is my purpose in life is to amplify those voices, to amplify often gaps that people can't see in order to bridge it for those um, who need to walk across it. Wow. I love that description. So now that we've got a better sense of, so say your purpose one more time. The Rocky Jawed Gap Spanning Amp. Okay. Now those two of those words make so much more sense to us. Yeah? Yes. So as you look at your journey in life, so what do you th- so, so what are some key moments for you that you think really represent that purpose showing up for you? Well, Nick, it's shown up in a lot of different things. But I guess for me, because I've been more of a physical person my entire life, I have led with my athletic ability. Uh, my dogged determination uh, on the physical side that I have hit a lot of physical hurdles. I'll put it that way, uh, because I push my body to the limit in a lot of things that I do. And so I have been in a space where I had a very unorthodox type uh, infection in my back where I could have lost my life uh, if it wasn't caught in time. And at the point that it was caught, Uh, It had already been a good year and a half, two years. And so um, I'm very thankful that I continue to push and continue to say, hey, there's something wrong uh, with me versus being silenced, right? Being silenced and not being heard. uh, Because as I said, I could have lost my life because of this infection and or I could have been uh, paralyzed from the waist down because of this infection. And so that was one of those um, major things that had, that had happened in my life where my life could have completely changed. So I'm in the military. Uh, that would have been a, a easy way to, uh, to be put out if I didn't have sure. the determination to push forward. And I almost lost one of my positions that I had interviewed for. And I had in the military, we call it a by name request. When you are at the top of the list and a unit actually wants you, they will tell your branch that, hey, this is the person that I want sender here and they'll lock you in. Um, I almost lost that position because of what was going on with my back and people not understanding it because they weren't doing the, the test on me. So that was one thing. And so I fought, I fought, I fought to to kind of push through uh, with that. I would say another thing is within the same time frame was when women were being allowed into ranger school. And so even though I was coming off of this issue with my back, um, I actually had just had a motorcycle accident, which was some type of freak accident that occurred. And so, um, and I was in a a course and literally I was laying down in the middle of a dark road in Colorado Springs. If you know anything about Colorado Springs, you get back um, in the areas where uh, you're very close, pretty close to the mountains. 
Uh, there's not a, mu- a lot of light out there. And some kind of way I went down. I, I completely lost probably about eight hours of my life. So I, I have no idea what had happened. Um, but I was found in the middle of the street, um, could have been run over by a car. Uh, but thankfully, these folks stopped. Um, they weren't going too fast. And then they called the ambulance. And so after that, and I continued to work, continued to push myself forward. And, um, and I started training so I could go to ranger school. And, uh, and once again, another fight, right? So I'm fighting, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get there and, and trying to let people know that I can do this. I am capable of doing this. Um, I know what I've gone through, but I also know what I can take. Right. And, uh, (laughs) the funny thing is the day that the other women in my unit, which I was with the special forces group at that point in time, the day that they were leaving. So there was a lot of prep that they had to do. They had to get gear. They had to go through some medical stuff. They had to do a bunch of paperwork. The day that they were leaving was the day that I actually got cleared by the medical folks. And so at that point I said, okay, God, I, I got it. (laughs) I got it. This is not what you want me to do, but I pushed all the way up into that last moment. Um, because I wanted to go, right? Mm. I was so excited about women finally getting the chance to um, to be the best that they could be, yeah. right? And not not being limited by their their ovaries. I'm sorry to say it like that, but not being limited uh, because one of the things with me graduating from the United States Military Academy, if I had the chance back in 2002 to branch infantry, I would have branched infantry. My dad was infantry. You know, like combat arms is in my blood and that's what I wanted to do. And so if that's any indication of kind of some of the things that that I've gone through and. (laughs) okay, so just so 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 you were in special forces, yes, I was. I was there. Okay, that's not bad. (laughs) Just so you know, that's not bad. I mean, that's. Most beyond what most women have ever. How many women have been in special forces? Not that many. Not many, but you know, I and I have to put this disclaimer on it. I wasn't an eighteen series. I was only assisting them. So I was in their unit, and I was assisting them with the things that they needed from the engineering perspective. Okay, okay, but still, but still, it's, it's not, <laughs> not, 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 you know. So I mean, if you look at this purpose that you have, what's interesting about it is it's in the striving that you live the purpose. It's not in the achieving that you live the purpose. That's good. And it's in the it's in the having in the amping of having everybody see it and be able to see what what that it's worth the stri- the striving is is where the worth is. And that helps other people see that they too, if they do it, it's worth going on that journey. And in some sense, you know, we can look at the the growth versus the fixed mindset, which is a Carol Dwick came up with as a famous concept about yeah. um, what has kids become excellent in the world versus the ones that end up plateauing and never making it. And the fixed mindset is, this is who I am and nothing's going to change. And I might as well just make sure that the world reinforces that I'm, 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 I'm an A student, even if I'm not, an, you know, so I never take any really hard challenges. And yours, the growth mindset is nothing is impossible Yeah. without a little blood, sweat, and tears. And it's the effort that should be measured as whether you're successful or not, the outcome itself. In some ways, you're sort of the living uh, embodiment of that whole orientation as you talk about this. Right? Thank you. No, it's great. It's great. And <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like if I have somebody who I want to have defending me in my country, 
I sure as hell would want you to be doing that. <laughs> it's like, boy, I was like, okay, this is a good thing. Well, one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation today was because of a particular moment where you had a choice to either live your purpose and not live your purpose. And one of the things I like about the journey that I've had with uh, West Point is uh, something called the Cadet's Prayer, which is a sort of a famous ethos. And in it, there's a particular line that I always love because it just really captures for me the ultimate expression of what it means to lead and just how darn hard it is. It's this whole concept of sort of seeing the hypocrisy and the injustice and choosing to do the hard right over the easy wrong and to fight for the whole truth when the half-truth could be easily won. And in some sense, my sense is that you're sort of the living embodiment of what that looks like. You do a good job as far as I'm concerned. And I think this particular situation, so let me just give everybody sort of a, a, a bigger picture of this, is that the U.S. Army is a highly bureaucratic institution. And my experience of it was when we were running a program at West Point, we had to do some, we had to bring some people in and do travel. And the amount of paperwork that we had to go through to get the basic travel that normally takes no effort at all was enormous. It was incredibly impressive. I'd never seen so much paperwork in my life. And I assume then that that's, you multiply that times a whole life and you start to get the reality of what it's like to be inside of this crazy system. So changing anything in the in the U.S. Army is to even 10 times more complicated than what most of us see in the private sector. Um, on top of that, my sense is, is that tradition is one of those things within the Army which makes it even doubly difficult to change things. And there are a set of traditions about what people can wear and how they need to do things. And they go back, in some sense, almost 200 years, some of these doctrines that absolutely have made no sense in the world of today, and they're still followed because nobody wants to touch this thing. But in this particular case, you were one who chose to take on something that no one else seemed to be willing to do. So I'd love you to share sort of this journey, the more more recent journey of, of what you saw, the choices you needed to make, and what happened. When I went to West Point to start teaching, um, let me start off with this. I had no intention to to go against the grain because as as it relates to to being a good soldier, a lot of times it's, you know, as we say, you move out and draw fire. Right. Unless something that you're being told is un, uh, illegal, unethical or immoral. Um, however, when I came into that space, I started working with an organization called uh, the Perm Party, which um, stands for Pride, Excellence, Regulations, and Mentorship. Um, and that party uh, was all about creating community amongst Black women and minority women, BIPOC women there at the United States Military Academy. Well, what I quickly saw is that there were some issues within this space of Army Regulation 670-1, which is a regulation that uh, that leads us and, and, and guides us as it relates to uh, the wear and appearance of our hair, also earrings, nails, you know, in, anything as far as like adornment, not necessarily getting into clothing, but specifically um, how we're grooming. It's called the grooming standards. 
And so I begin to pull information in, pull data in. And within that space, I was able to pull together um, female army leaders across the um, U.S. I was also able to obviously speak with the cadets there and get their feedback. Also other officers and NCOs, um, non-commissioned officers there at the academy about their experiences while being in the service and how 670-1 has shown up for them, uh, both positively and negatively. And so what what I found is that there were more uh, concerns with how that section was written uh, as it relates to minority women and specifically Black women uh, versus not. And so with that, I, I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be critical, but I wanted to be constructive at the same time. And so we put together some recommendations about how this AR, this Army regulation could be updated to be more inclusive for women of color, especially as we think about the Army and in the modern day that we're in and the desire to recruit more minority talent. Well, if our regulations do not support these men and women within this space, specifically, obviously, I'm talking about women, then it's going to be counterproductive to what our overall goal is with our volunteer force. And so I just saw this as something that could um, could be altered for a, a very positive result for the second and third order effects that would come from it, as well as allowing women to feel a sense of belonging. So that's just women across the board. As we think about now, you know, women are able to have their ponytails, they're able to wear their earrings, you know, all of those things. And there there was just so much joy as it related to this regulation being changed and women, and, and this is not all women, okay? I'm not putting all women in a, a category that, hey, all women like to wear earrings or or they like to have ponytails or wear um, polish. I got it. Everyone's different. But as we look at the majority of the society, I'm a researcher, right? Look at the majority of the society that we live in. Those things are characteristics and norms within the female population. And now they get to express themselves in that way while in uniform. If everybody who's listening, I hope you sort of go, wow, this is big, but I don't think they understand the scale and the size and the precedent of this sentence, because when was the last time that that particular regulation was updated? So it was partially updated in 2015, uh, but there were still some things that were lacking in it. And prior to that, it would have been back in the 80s or the 70s yeah. when it was updated. Yeah. And obviously, the U.S. Army said, this is great, let's just do this, and there was no resistance, and it just happened with great ease, correct? With any large organization that you're in, Nick, and you know this, it is hard to change that organization because tradition leads a lot of the time. Also, being set in our ways uh, based off of, especially with the military, as you think about how uh, structured and rigid we are, mm. uh, I think for a long time, we thought everybody needs to look the same way, need to sound the same way, need, you know? So now what you have is essentially robots, right? You have these people that you say it's a diverse organization, but you have capped them from being their diverse individual self, therefore limiting their ability to be innovative and creative and, you know, and really feel as though they belong. Thus, again, the reason why we have such turnover. 
right? Linda, so if we if we go back the George Floyd moment, I was just curious from your perspective how much you think that that contributed to this shift occurring. Do you think that was a piece that contributed to it? You know, where what what is it that caused you? Let's just wait. You could have waited another couple of years to try to shift this, mm-hmm. or you could have said. Uh, this is wait. This isn't. This isn't part of my job code because there's nothing in this. It's not like you're. You don't have an HR title, as far as I can tell. That's right. Right. So this Correct. wasn't your day job in the first place. It was not. It, it was, was somebody not. else's job in the army who should have been doing this. So like, so what? What's the deal here? Why is it that you showed up? Why is it that your purpose said to you? You know, this is your job. Go 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 do this thing. I think, you know, and I didn't know how this would turn out. Right. But I had a burning desire to to make this process and this army regulation um, a little bit better than what it was for me and what I had to live with through, you know, during the time that I've served. And so I, I thought, worst case scenario, someone will hear my voice, you know, and hopefully that's a seed that will be planted for them to make a change later on. And so as I begin to talk, and, and I'll tell you, it's it's amazing how, you know, in my faith, how God lines things up. Because as I said, I started this in 2019. Uh, the recommendations were pushed forward to uh, headquarters DA in the early part of 2020, right? So before George Floyd before, you know, we we had our our racial awakening here in in the US of A. However, I think it's it's wonderful of how everything lined up because now, you know, people talk about oh, it's it was luck. No, that was when prepar- preparation met opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so because things were already in the system, I was already having conversations and leaning forward because At that point in time, it was something immediate for me that I thought someone else needed to hear Uh, what what they did with it. Because as we as we say in the army, like, you know, you advise your leaders, if your leaders decide that they're going to move that way, then so be it. They'll move that way. If not, um, that's okay too. You are there to be an advisor. And so I felt as though I was sitting in a position where I had all this data that someone needed to have. Someone mm-hmm. needed to understand that though it may look like from the top that there, you know, everything is okay. It's kosher. You know, the, the you know, your army population are, are operating at optimal level and diversity, equity, and inclusion is happening. We all have blind spots, right? And so that was really my purpose is to help headquarters DA realize that, hey, there are some blind spots here. And so now once George Floyd happened, I think now headquarters DA, it it became this thing where, oh, no, we need to really focus in on what we're doing to make sure that we are, in fact, being inclusive and being equitable. And so when they begin to look at that, they already had recommendations on hand. And so um, it was just amazing to see how things worked out. Um, as I spoke with the G1 there, they were very patient. Um, you know, we we bounced things off of each other back and forth. And and I definitely, you know, God rest his soul. I, I hate that George Floyd was, you know, murdered. But I also believe that his death has done so much good for the U.S. And it's going to continue 
to do good as long as we as people decide to keep pushing the envelope and keep being better versus just being comfortable in our space, right? Comfortable in our our comfort zones. And relative to that, I mean, what do you think would not have been accomplished if you hadn't been there? I personally don't think this would have gone anywhere. I think the regulation would have been looked at. Actually, I know the regulation was being looked at. And that was the question that I asked. Well, hey, have you considered any of these things? And it was not even on the docket. And what do you think you did then that actually caused this to shift to the other side? I would say being present, right? And continuing the conversation and pushing forward. So going back to that rocky job, right? So, you know, the first no or the first I'm not sure uh, didn't stop me. It was, hey, I think we really need to look at this. I think we really should push this forward. And and I had a, a great confidant that was over in the G1 too that really understood it. And, you know, sometimes we had to talk about, okay, hey, this is this is why it makes sense. You know, because everyone's not going to agree. Um, there had been conversations at at a much higher level where where some leaders did not agree. Right. Based off of that tradition, again, based off of, hey, we're all soldiers. We all bleed green. No, we don't. Okay, Uh, we're all individuals, but we have uh, decided to serve and committed to serve Mm -hmm. a higher cause. And so I think for me, it was not taking that no, not taking the bumps and the bruises that that could cause other people to to kind of shift their focus and keeping it moving forward. And then on top of that, I also wrote an op-ed for military.com, which was another forcing function, right? And so it was a strategic placement for me to ensure that the conversation started. Because a lot of times I think we try to do things in silo, in silos, but what happens is that you really need other people that are in that conversation that will help move it forward as well. And so that was another thing. I, you know, I kind of got beat up a little bit for that, which I'm okay with that. Um, it didn't feel good going through it because I was so proud of being able to have done this and to be able to be that voice of the silence. And I was just surprised that the response was not a wrap our arms around this. Let's let's really dig into this type thing. But at the end of the day, that op-ed plus the recommendations that came forward, plus the continued conversation, I believe it was really the forcing function to, to make this monumental change for United States Army. So in substance, for me, the beautiful thing about this particular story is that I think each of us have a purpose that's unique to us. And the gift of owning our purpose fully is that we see the world through a set of lenses that no one else sees through. Yeah. And my sense is that this particular story that you're describing is an example of you're looking through your purpose and seeing what needed to be done that no one else saw. Now, how many people are in the U.S. Army now? We should have about, I would say, over 350,000 at this point, right? So, and you know, so- when we make up a small segment of that. So we're looking at a one in 350,000 ratio of you and everybody else and no one else seeing or having the gumption or commitment to be able to do this and you doing it. Yeah. And that's active duty. (laughs) Active duty. Exactly. And so the point, the point is, is that this is just reinforces what is the power that purpose brings is it's both a gift and a curse in some ways. Cause I think, the gift is it helps you see the cha- the curse, the challenges is that it means that you have to decide whether you want to close the gap or not. And I think in your particular case, 
How, for how long had you seen this as something that needed to be worked on? So back in 2015, when when the regulation changed partially, uh, there was a lot of backlash from it. And and I'll tell you because you know my mindset, especially when you're a younger officer, you're just trying to put your head down and and drive forward. Put your head down, yes, but still looking to see where you're going. But bottom line is is almost like when you're in the blocks on on a on a line to start a a race on the track. That head is down because you're focusing, right? But that head pops up before you come out of those blocks. And so I believe that I, I've been coming out of the blocks because I mean mm. I was in that mid-level career time frame. Uh, but coming out of those blocks too, and then seeing this 2015 change, I was so proud about the changes that happened. But I was also angry about really the the issues that what I saw was the army didn't realize what they were doing to minority soldiers because at that point in time in 2015, and it quickly came out and then they pulled it back and then made some corrections to it because they said that twists were not allowed, locks in the military or what people understand to be dreadlocks were not allowed because there was this preconceived notion about those certain hairstyles um, th- there were a lot of different things where, you know, women of color would do their hair in that manner in order to maintain kind of this uh, this professional look, which was a lot different from when when I had first come in. And really, the only thing that we knew about professional look was perming our hair. So actually straightening our, straightening our hair out. And so this has been with me the entire time that I've been in the military as I've had to navigate this space of, well, how do I uh, show up looking like a professional? How do I execute the things that I'm doing and still leave and look like a professional, right? Without my hair all over the place. And then how do I ensure that the people around me view me as a professional? Yeah. Man, my sense is that the power of this particular example in your journey is it you're really talking about an issue at the level of our identity. Absolutely. And when we look at this of of how do we hold our identity within the context of an uh, institution in this particular case where there's so much that's already defined for us about what our identity is and how it should be. That's right. And to be able to move that line is such a huge, huge message that it sends. And so I just want to thank you for the courage to live your purpose. I do think that that one of the biggest, beautiful, powerful things that purpose provides us is is access to the courage inside of us. Courage comes from the Latin word core, which means core, which means head and heart. And I think that you are a beautiful expression of both of those. And from my perspective of uh, being a citizen of the United States, I'm deeply grateful that, that you represent a leader in the army in this particular moment in time that we find ourselves as we're doing this recording, Russians are invading the Ukraine. And I know that your next assignment is going to be to South Korea, which is not exactly a vacation spot. Yes, sir. And I'm just deeply grateful that you're supporting and taking care of us as we uh, do our daily tasks. But I wanted that I'll just step back and and Thank you for uh, living your purpose in this time we've spent together. I'm deeply grateful. And I can call you by three different things. I can call you Dr. Peters. I can call you call you Lieutenant Colonel Peters, or I can call you P. 
And it's just so much fun to have all these options. It's just perfect that we have all these different versions. And the truth is, is that who you are is who you are. And just say your purpose one last time for us. My purpose is to be the rocky jawed, gap-spanning amp. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. And I hope that this stimulates you to step up and live your purpose. Thank you all. Thank you, Nick. You're welcome.